Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Is there going to become a time where you might call him, old friend to old friend, and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19? Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. Good to see you, Mr. President, and your colleagues. I'm very happy to see my old friend. Oh, dang it! Dang it, I just moments ago told Fox we're not old friends. Why'd you have to call me old friend? Damn it! So some comedy there from the U.S.-China <laughs> Zoom Summit last night. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We're also looking forward to chatting with one of our uh, brave warriors who's benefited from Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, this organization that does miraculous work, saving young lives of our heroes, helping them get back to to the civilian life, to heal from their injuries, their traumatic brain injuries. Oh, my God, what a great organization. We are so enthusiastic about them. And you can help support their their fabulous patriotic work by giving generously at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, you, you'll see exactly how to give, and it takes you two minutes. Yeah, we made it super easy because, uh, well, if you're like me, I get hung up with many complications, and I bail. <laughs> Just the way I am. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a quick follow-up from last hour, and if you missed last hour, you can get it. Armstrong and Getty On Demand is what we call the podcast version of the radio show, and it's available a little later on today. Get it wherever you get podcasts, or just go to armstrongandgetty.com. But we were talking about the uh, the judges in the couple of uh, Alex Jones lawsuits, defamation for the, uh, the parents of the victims of the Sandy Hook shooting. Uh, they mention, and I should have thrown this in, the parents of Noah Posner, who is the youngest Sandy Hook victim, have moved ten times since the shooting. Okay, that's and that's, live in hiding. All right, that's ridiculous. They can't go to their son's grave. Then Alex Jones deserves to be financially ruined over that. Yeah, roasted in hell. That anyway. is just that is unbelievable. And and you know, in Alex Jones' defense. Which is hard to do because he took kind this of. <laughs> way longer than he should have uh, when he realized that there are people that are acting on it. Who are you freaking numbnuts that are chasing these parents around the country? And what do you think you're doing? God, they're sick. They're weak-minded and they're sick. God, one thing social media has told us, there are way more crazy people than we ever realized. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I want to move on from that, although I will mention that uh, the theme of conspiracy theories uh, you hear all over the place, including when people are making legitimate inquiries into, say, governmental wrongdoing, the overreach of the U.N., the ill effects of globalization. You're accused all the time of being a conspiracy theorist. On the other hand, at the World Economic Forum meeting, uh, just, uh, I guess it was last week or last weekend, there were all sorts of really interesting slash troubling things said, and I've collected some of them for you. The first in the wake of the Biden-Xi Zoom summit last night is the ambassador from China patiently explaining Clip 70, Michael, how China is actually a democracy. What China has today is a whole process democracy. China's constitution prescribes that all power belongs to the people. The people have the right to election, and they can be broadly involved in national governance according to law. They exercise state powers through the National People's Congress and the local People's Congresses at different levels, equivalent to America's Congress and the state 
legislators, deputies to the People's Congresses at the county and the township levels are elected directly. Those above the county level are indirectly elected. People elect deputies who will politically represent them and elect leaders. I find myself wondering, who's that for? Also, cats or dogs, the sun is the moon, up is down. You lie! And my feet are my hands. I mean, right. what's the... What's the point of that? So they're just going with President Xi is actually a president who was elected by the people. Okay. Oh, yeah, and they elect him again and again. They love him so much. So I just thought that was so odd. Who, who, what does that accomplish? Who's that for? I don't know, but every dictator does it, so it must accomplish something. Okay, I want to make sure we have time enough for this. There was also a lot of talk about the digital future. This is Carlos Morera, clip number 71. It has also EIDAS, digital identification, which is essential to protect the human. Because if you don't have a digital identity, you don't exist. Actually, you might have a consumer identity, but you don't have a digital identity. Therefore, if you do not have a digital identity, and a digital identity is not your credit card or your passport or your fitness card, it is actually your birth certificate. As you have a birth certificate from the city you burn one day, you have also a digital birth certificate the moment you enter into the Internet. And that belongs to you, and it stays under your consent while you need it. If one day you decide to retire or you decide not to be bothered anymore with this digital life, you should be, have the possibility to revoke that digital identity. And that is back to your control. So... A digital birth certificate. A global digital identity. No chance that gets hacked or messed with or appropriated inappropriately. Interesting. You know, I'm going to leap ahead a little bit because we're under a bit of time pressure, but Yuval Noah Harari is a, uh, a historian. Uh, we've only got one minute yeah, I can't. Yeah, there's no time for this. What Yuval, later. what Yuval Harari said will shock you about the future, giving up your privacy, health care, and the future of work. Uh, Andrew Yang's out there shouting amen. I'll give you a hint. So we'll play that uh, segment three of, of the hour. So stay tuned, uh, as usual, if you can't grab the podcast later. Also later this hour, are you dating a narcissist? Check, check, do a little checklist to figure that out. I don't, no, I don't care because it's all about me. And this is the week that we tell you about Warrior Foundation Freedom Station and raise money. We're trying to raise a half million dollars in one week. What is Warrior Foundation Freedom Station? Well, the easiest way to find out is to hear from somebody who's actually benefited, obviously. We've got that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty Show. Once a year, we ask for money, and we pick a really good cause like Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. They are fantastic. We're trying to raise a half a million dollars this week, and we've been explaining to you over the last couple of days what Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is, what they do, but what better way than to talk to somebody who has benefited. It's a pleasure to welcome Mike Spivey to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? 
Good, good. It's great to talk to you. Uh, we're going to just briefly uh, tell your story so the folks can understand how you came into contact with Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Go from there. But um, it was in Afghanistan with the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. Mike was leading a foot patrol using a metal detector searching for IEDs. When, Mike, you found one the hard way, it exploded. Mike was seriously injured, taking large amounts of shrapnel to the legs and lower back, including several vertebrae, extensive damage to his left arm, uh, and, and uh, a few weeks later had to make the incredibly difficult decision to amputate the arm. Uh, you should know during seven years of service before med- being medically retired due to his injuries, Mike received the prestigious Purple Heart, two combat action ribbons for his time both in Iraq and Afghanistan. So there you are, Mike, uh, seriously injured, young, trying to figure out where you're going in life. And was it then that you uh, connected with Warrior Foundation Freedom Station? Yeah, it was, it was actually while I was at the hospital. Um, it was actually like, you know, whenever I, the day I first got there, um, they met my family. Um, they helped set them up in hotels and everything like that so that they didn't have to worry about all the, the bills while they were, you know, waiting for me to come out of surgery. And then a couple of years or a couple of weeks later, actually, um, you know, as I started to progress through my rehab, we were encouraged to get out and do different activities um, just to get moving again and basically try to figure out how to maneuver our new lives with the, our disabilities. So, and that's whenever I met Sandy and the, the ladies at Freedom Station. So. Fa- fantastic. So Joe and I have toured the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station a whole bunch of times. And if you've never seen it, it's, a, it's these little cottages that are, are, are together. And a lot of the residents... Um, are oftentimes from the same unit and are now wounded, and they're trying to figure out how to get their lives back together and everything like that. Let me read a quote from you, and then you can add to it. Whether it was having barbecues outside or getting together in someone's cottage, we had dinner together almost every night. Many of the residents were from the same unit. We fed off each other's energy and pushed each other to do more, get in the gym, go golfing, get out of the house, enjoy nature. That's that's awesome. The idea of um, your injured and you're staring all this uncertainty in the face, and rather than being in a, in a hospital room with nobody you know around, you're around, you know, guys that can understand what you've been through. Um, explain a little bit about how important that is. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost indescribable how important that is, because, I mean, whenever you're at the hospital, I mean, you're literally in a, you're in a room, you don't have, like, you have a bed and a closet and maybe a TV or whatever, but you don't have your day-to-day stuff that you you're going to need you're going to end up having to figure out how to like work out later on um and so it it kind of gives you that um that advantage instead of having to waiting wait until you you've left the hospital left the services and then try to figure everything out now you're you're still doing rehab you can go back to the hospital do your therapies there and like discuss everything with different amputees or while you're while you're at your cottage you know, if you're having trouble, you can go next door and be like, hey, how are you doing this? Oh, well, I, I do it like this, or I do it like that, or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's it's incredible helpful. Well, that's great. And, and you know, one thing I think a lot of civilians don't understand is how the transition, like from uh, being active duty, being militarily retired, how rocky that can be, whether it's getting the benefits going or, or trying to figure out what to do with your life, plus you and, and people like you are generally very young. What was that experience like, that transition? Um, well, it would have been it would have been a lot worse had, it, had I not been living at the Freedom Station at the time, because whenever I got retired from the Marine Corps, and they transferred me over to the VA and everything like that. It took almost 
five months for me to get my, my check from the VA. So if, if I hadn't have been living at the Freedom Station, I probably, um, you know, I probably would have ended up homeless. Because, I mean, here I am. I, I had a career. I just retired. And, you know, and I, I, didn't, I, I had these injuries. I couldn't, like, go straight into the workforce. Um, I had no plans, really, because I was planning on doing another 13 years in the, in the Marine Corps. So I, I wasn't set up for it. So, you know, like I said, if it wasn't for the Freedom Station, I'd probably be living in my truck. At the time. So. Sorry, I, I hear it took five months for we the people to get you your benefits. I, it makes me crazy, but I know there are folks working on that too. But thank God Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is there in the interim for guys and, and gals like you. If you're liking this story, go to armstrongandgetty.com. We've got a big banner there. It's easy to see and donate any amount of money will do. And it adds up really fast. And we always raise a lot of money because we've been around enough of these um enough of these guys and and toured enough times and heard enough stories that, man, we we couldn't be bigger believers. We appreciate you coming on with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Great to talk. I've known people that left the military and were trying to transition back into regular life without the physical injuries or the emotional injuries. These guys that, you know, you're missing a couple of legs or an arm or whatever, along with the emotional stuff, and you're supposed to just, okay, now now good luck out there in the regular world. And you're young. You're not making a bunch of money as a Marine or a soldier, and, and, and you got to wait months and months and months and months to get any of your benefits. You know, again, it, it's a shame that it takes an organization like Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, but it's absolutely completely needed, really needed. And thank God it's there, and thank you for your contributions. And we've got contributions rolling in right now. I was just looking it over. We ought to do a a total here in just a second. You go to armstrongandgetty.com, you click on the banner, and you can donate. And every year, people start donating either in their own name or in the name of a loved one who died in service or sometimes, and you can be anonymous if you want, or in a... uh, a fake name, if you want. Like, we just got $25 from Al Sharpton's School of Much Dic- Diction. <laughs> uh, $25 from Jack drinking urine on his morning commute. Yeah. Told that story. What? My, oh, okay, we'll take the contribution. My son, who uh, has uh, issues, and uh, so we have to keep a bottle in the car, and he urinates in the car. I left oh, the bottle right, in the car in accident. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, we're wondering, what was going to be the big donator this year? There's going to be lots of Brandons, but the one that has been the most popular, we got two back-to-back donations from Truen Donation Dubba Depressor for Truen Donation Dubba Depressor, and then another fifty dollars <laughs> from Truen Dash Dubba Depressor, slightly different spelling. Truen Donation Dubba Depressor. It's a little hard to tell what the president's saying there. So, hmm. <laughs> you lying liars are in for two hundred dollars. Corn Pop in for twenty-five bucks. Joe's Silent Flatulence with fifty dollars. Do tell. G's good friend, twenty five bucks. <laughs> Mexico's oh, nice. Rio Grande swim team for ten dollars. That's controversial, but appreciated. <laughs> this might be my favorite. Twenty five bucks from stolen cheesecake of unknown origin. <laughs> <laughs> which which is reputed to be the clip of the year. Yeah, or was that the clip that of the was, year that last was clip year? Of the year last year. Oh, okay, right. Once you go Iraqi, you'll never go backy. That's almost certainly Basil with twenty five dollars. Yeah, Batikef care knocked in a hundred bucks. Black Batikef care. Jack's little <laughs> paintbrush for ten. What is that one? <sighs> Vague oh. memories. That's your own story, but you know. Huh. 
Yeah. You know, I just let me make a semi serious point because I think it's it's so important. One of the main one of the things we're doing with some of your contributions is making sure the warriors can get home to be with their families for Christmas. And it that's more than just, oh, that's nice that's a nice thing to do for a vet or an active duty guy or a injured guy. Some of these guys are enduring dozens of operations. Painful long term rehab, learning to deal with prosthetics, and they get tired. They get emotionally just wrung out. And when they go home or their parents fly in or brothers and sisters, whatever, uh, they, they recharge. They remember who they are. They just they get, they get their mojo back. And it's so important to their healing. It's much more than a pleasant trip. It's critical. Well, Gladys, feel hit a drum roll. We'll see where we are currently on our. Road to uh, raising five hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot at of money least, for at one least. for one little one little radio show. That's all it's got is a cup of coffee and a tomorrow on the calendar. We're just trying to do our best, trying to raise a half a million dollars in one week. That's a, just a crazy goal. We're currently at a hundred and twenty six thousand two hundred fifty one dollars. Okay, all right. So. Hey, I'm, cl- I'm climbing up to the crow's nest. I'm not seeing whales. I'm not seeing nearly enough whales. Where are my big whales? We got quite a few whales right here. Talk to me, whales. Uh, Jason Vanderveen, a thousand dollars. Earl Thanks, Ronald Burrell, a thousand bucks. Hell yeah. Philip Rusin, twenty five hundred dollars. Tiffany Loie, one thousand dollars. Appreciate that, Tiffany. Hello. Take some of your money and uh, buy a name that's easier to pronounce. Fred $3,000. Fred, that's unbelievable. Thanks, Fred. John Harris. And I want to mention Sean Thomas, old producer of the Armstrong and Getty Show, just chipped in 50 bucks. So that's pretty Thanks, cool. Shawnee. Good to hear from you, brother. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Did you know that Jerry Seinfeld openly hates Bobcat Goldthwait? I had uh, missed that. You don't see Jerry Seinfeld as a guy who hates anybody, but I was watching one of his comedians in cars getting coffee the other day, and uh, he hates Bobcat Goldthwait. Hates him openly and uh, is willing to tell anybody. Anyway, maybe. The, the man, not just his act. The man, human being. Hmm. Yeah. It's, yes. it's, inter- it's an interesting side of Jerry Seinfeld you don't normally see. I might uh, have that linked at our, our website. If you ever want to see an angry, vengeful Jerry Seinfeld, which you've never <gasps> seen before. I don't know that I do, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, coming up, among other things, no more plastic utensils in Los Angeles. And le- uh, the plastic utensil police are going to be out. People have forgotten how to deal with colds because of the pandemic. Most people on Twitter are talking to themselves and a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, I've never been particularly worried about the future um, throughout my entire life. I just figure out, figure that the human beings, myself included, are reasonably equipped to adapt and overcome and, and you know, just to, to take on whatever challenges are thrown our way. Uh, we have no choice, so, you know, it'll be fine. I, I've got to tell you, though, between the artificial intelligence thing yeah. and the idea yeah, of scary. The, uh, the, the machines taking over and... and and that rendering human labor to a large degree useless, and then the uh, the utter lack of privacy, the compulsory interconnectedness, all of it, all of it together strikes me as awfully dystopian. 
And there aren't many areas of, of discussion in which I'm kind of grateful to not be young, uh, because generally speaking, it's better to be young than not. I um, would say so. Certainly in terms of uh, how much future you got in front of you, but uh, I've got to admit, there's part of me that's kind of glad I'm not going to be around in a 100 years, uh, barring, you know, my plan coming to fruition to uh, to to harvest the blood of the young and achieve immortality. Mm, cool. Which remains my plan. Progress, iffy at best. But to Yuval Noah Harari was addressing the World Economic Forum in Davos uh, in the last several days. He said a bunch of stuff that was really interesting and a little bit scary. Um, I've chosen two of my favorite clips for you. First of all, uh, to the topic of whether there will be any work for anybody. Clip 73, Michael. It was always very difficult to be in charge of your destiny. What is unique now is that what people, the big danger for people is no longer exploitation, it's irrelevance. I mean, in the previously in history, if you were on the wrong side of history, if you didn't understand what was happening and you you, you lost the competition, then you ended up as some kind of serf or manual laborer being exploited by the people who understand and have the power. Now, if you're left behind, you're facing something far worse which is to be completely irrelevant. They won't even need you as a serf or as a slave. Irrelevance is our biggest threat. They won't even need you for a slave. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the Andrew Yang guaranteed uh, minimum income or whatever that uh, thing is. Um, Because there just won't be nearly enough work to go around. Which, you know, in my opinion, and I'm absolutely certain I'm right, once you separate people from a purpose for their lives, um, and, and some people will find a purpose, but I think for a lot of us, our purpose is getting our job done. Well, I, I haven't heard anybody disagree with that. I haven't, I haven't heard anybody who's saying, and it'll be awesome. Have you? No. I haven't heard anybody no. say that. I've only heard, and this will be the end of mankind. Well, and you couple the lack of any need for any of us to do any labor, or at least a lot of us, with we're not having kids, so we've removed that purpose from our lives. Endless and, cheap entertainment. And to the extent that we have kids, we're not raising them to be productive citizens because there's no need for oh, that. Oh, boy. Yeah, why would you teach your kid any of the things I teach my kids every day if they're never going to have to go out into the world and make a living? And I appreciate you throwing in endless, uh, never-ending entertainment, cheap, uh, drugs are plenty, and alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. Drugs are plenty um, to amuse us. It's straight out of Huxley's Brave New World to a large extent. Um, although those people still need to go to work. And one more thing, a uh, historian you all know a Harari talking about, uh, and this has to do with the compulsory interconnectedness uh, question 74, Michael. Maybe the most important ex- exchange in this respect will be in healthcare. The big battle over what we today call privacy will be between privacy and health. Do you give access to what is happening inside your body and brain in exchange for far better health care? And my guess is that health will win, hands down. People will give up their privacy in exchange for health care, and maybe in many places they won't have a choice. I mean, they won't even get insurance if they are unwilling to give access to what is happening inside their bodies. Right. Now, on that one, why do I care? 
if uh, if all the information from inside my body is going into a database so they can have a better understanding of everything about the way the human body works. Well, you're going to have Vladimir Putin hacking into your pancreas. <laughs> For instance. Right. Yeah, that that part was a little beyond me. I wish I'd had the transcript to read. Um, I just thought, you know, th- that is absolutely the, the, the trend. Although, although... Clearly, there are plenty of you. I mean, with all the people that are willing to give up their careers to avoid getting a vaccine, I'm sure there are plenty of you that don't want all the health information from your body to be available. Yeah, that's going to be a real uh, wild and interesting wrestling match to witness here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. That's one of the areas of AI that I'm really excited about is the ability of computers to crunch this mega data of health. And solve so many problems that human beings just no no human mind could ever figure out. Right. But and I get, think once you opt in, though, you opt out of any sort of privacy. You get a billion people's, um, you know, all their health information into a computer and it can crunch. Hey, look, anybody who gets this blood pressure and this heart rate and this, this and this and this, this is going to get this kind of cancer. I mean, it'll be able to figure out the kind of stuff that just be mind boggling. At the very least, spit out a narrow and extremely accurate, uh, you know, list of possibilities for then the best clinicians in the world to re-crunch and figure out what's actually ailing you. But then the that, Chinese are hanking into your uh, gallbladder, or worse. That's or right. Worse. All right, Chairman Xi's got the control of your wang, as it were. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, uh, so uh, let's talk just briefly You're about our friends. <laughs> Have control. For all the good it's done. Yeah, me. what's good? What's it doing me? All right. So uh, we'll we'll be back with more fascinating and tasteful content like that in just a second. <laughs> after a quick word from our friends at Car Shield, expensive and inconvenient. That's what it, that's what car repairs are. And if you're covered with Car Shield, the Car Shield's administrators take care of the paperwork. They do the expensive payments, so you don't have to. No hassles, no headaches. You're covered. So let's start here. Whether your car has 5,000 miles on it or 150,000 miles, CarShield has got a monthly coverage option that fits your budget. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. they got different plans for different people. It's month-to-month, so you can get in and out quick if you just want to try it out. I think you're going to like it. As Joe mentioned, when you get a repair, you get to choose your own mechanic. They handle all the paperwork and uh, the expensive payments, no hassles, no headaches. A lot of people are liking CarShield. It is America's number one auto protection company at this point. It's a win-win. Get coverage today. See why CarShield cars go further. Visit carshield.com slash Armstrong. Save 10%. That's carshield.com slash Armstrong. A deductible may apply. carshield.com slash Armstrong. Yeah, you get on the uh, LAPD and you might be in charge of uh, cracking down on plastic utensils in Los Angeles. As now, So this is the new rule. Uh, Los Angeles restaurants can only give, up, give out plastic utensils and napkins if someone asks for them, and it's a restaurant with more than 26 employees. Well, that makes 26? Sense. That all makes perfect sense. That <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I got, I got 23 employees. I'm just giving out sporks like it's Christmas. I hate the cities of Davis, where I live, and San Luis Obispo have already got similar laws. Um... I hate the government getting involved in this sort of stuff, but I got to admit, there are plenty of times where I get a whole bunch of napkins or plastic forks and spoons and stuff that just go in the trash. Happens all the time. The other day when I was rescuing a sea turtle who had a soda straw up his nose, 
I glanced up and saw a bald eagle. He had a plastic fork sticking in his eye. It broke my heart. I could barely concentrate long enough to pull the straw out of the turtle's nose. And a spork coming out of his hind end. I couldn't have been comfortable. Oh, Lord, no. Depends which direction, really. That's the key question. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. Uh, anyway. Great. How's your utopia coming along, you soft-headed idiots? Speaking of Don't, you- Hey, hey, how about this? How about this? Don't litter. Yeah. You get caught litter, littering heavy fines. Cut off your hands. Public lashings, beatings, whatever, gougings. Trying to come up with something light. I got I got something great on a uh, the the climate change conference just wound up. Something I want to point out to you, but we'll get to that next segment. You got a Florida woman, which is every bit as bad as Florida man. Florida woman often marries Florida man. Oh, absolutely. Then they yeah. fight and all kinds of stuff. A Florida woman was pulled over early yesterday, which means late at night, claiming that her erratic driving, they pulled over a suspicion of drunk driving, obviously, her erratic driving was due to her eating an egg roll while she was driving. She was trying to dip her egg roll in the sauce, and she was sorry, off your officer, that I was weaving around. What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Right. Yeah, they found out. Was she was... the uh, Rittenhouse judge or what? Oh, speaking of Rittenhouse, one of the instructions the judge gave to the jury, absolutely worth highlighting. We'll tell you that in a couple minutes. Um, Boris Johnson's dad has been touching women on their backsides, it is alleged. Bojo, whose dad Bojo is quite, Senior. quite old, I guess, has uh, got a, a habit of uh, making comments and slapping women on the hind end, apparently. So that's oh, become a big story over there in Great Britain. And he referred to one woman's uh, seat, which is kind of a good, charming, upper-crust British sort of term. Might start adopting that. Nice seat. Wow. No, that's not good. Bojo's nope. got to talk to the old man. He's got no filter. He's at that point in his life. So I do want to get to, at some point, the uh, most of us on Twitter, the vast majority of people on Twitter are basically talking to themselves. You got no followers. Mm-mm. You're like weighing in on the news of the day. Write that on a scrap of paper and throw it in the trash can if you want, if you just f- feel the need to get that out. that It'll have the same effect. Right, right, right. yeah. Over and over that again. Of course, if the news media picks up on your comment, they might build a whole story around it. And you could be ruined and your career. <laughs> and then that true. Right. Uh, Thanks, Twitter. Some interesting commentary on the big climate change conference that just ended from the Wall Street Journal I think you will like. It's, uh, well, I think you'll like it. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station Week. If you want to donate money, just go to armstrongandgetty.com. We'll do our total here pretty soon. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Good news here. Uh, A new pal is joining the Sesame Street gang, making history in the process. Watch this. There's so many people, uh, different types of people and monsters here. It it feels like no matter who you are or where you come from, you belong. The banana. So, seven-year-old Ji Young is the first Asian-American character in the 52-year history of Sesame Street. She has two passions, which I... All right. So it's a little girl with kind of flesh-colored skin and black hair. Flesh-colored skin? That's racist. That is racist. Flesh. Well, the old, what they used to call flesh and crayon packs, 
which isn't actually the color of flesh on anybody I know. Not unless you're a peach. <laughs> unless you're a peach. Some uh, sort of peach-headed monster. So a peach-colored girl with black hair is Asian. Okay, well, what's... She was talking to Ernie. What's Ernie? He's he's dark orange. What's he Bert, is. who's bright yellow? Jaundiced? So most of the characters in Sesame... What's Elmo? Most of the characters in Sesame Street are of no distinguishable race whatsoever, but now they have an Asian girl. All right, fine. Finally. Whatever. Good. Finally. Good for you. Fine. Uh, I'll have the Twitter numbers for you in just a second. The the, the, the numbers are pretty shocking. Um, if there's one thing I could accomplish with a magic wand, it would be the whole world stops paying attention to Twitter. But um, I want to do a Warrior Foundation Freedom Station update real quick just to see where we are on that because we're raising a lot of money. Oh, my God. I do not appreciate... I'm not going to read that one. Oh, boy. Uh, kind of funny. You got a bit of a laugh out of me. Cuts a little too close to home. So Okay. No, okay. I'm not okay that with that. Fair enough. Uh, sorry about the rambling drunk emails. Donated $10. <laughs> blocked excessive testers in, textures in for 10 bucks. You're blocked. You're blocked. Uh, Wang controlled a major. Tom is in for 10 bucks. <laughs> Jack's secret Taco Bell addiction, $10. Wow. Anyway. Uh, a Grateful Nation, 2525 bucks. I like that one. That's just nice. Our current total on our way to $500,000, we're at $136,516. 136 grand, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this this to me is, is too much like the constant poll reporting in political campaigns. I'd prefer to talk about the ideas, and that's giving generously to a wonderful organization that's extremely careful with your dollars, that helps our heroes when they need it the most Wounded, traumatic brain injury, you know, rehab, surgeries, the rest of it does amazing work. And and I still say we need more whales. Where are my whales at? You've done great during the COVID economy. This country has benefited you. We need some big contributions. The whales often hang back to later in the week. Eating krill, etc. For whatever reason. They've, they've turned flukes. And once they are done turning flukes, they will donate. Um, How much time have I got, Michael? Because i got a couple of things I'm trying to jam in here. Based on your health, I'd say about four months. That's plenty of time. Okay. No, you got uh, three minutes, sir. Uh, Can I do this in three minutes? Walter Russell Mead writing in the Wall Street Journal. The Global Warming Summit and the Global Age of Shams. What does he mean by that? Leading up to the French Revolution, a thinker called it the Age of Shams, and that the Court of Versailles under Louis XVI had become so detached from reality They were having all these get-togethers and speeches and talking about this and talking about that, about things that just weren't true. But they all patted each other on the back and acted like, aren't we great people? But what was happening out in the countryside was completely different and eventually ended up with the revolution. Well, he's pointing out that we're uh, in that similar situation now with what happened the other day at the big climate change summit. I'll read one paragraph. As one politician after another committed their countries to carefully crafted unenforceable pledges. None had the bad manners to observe that no country anywhere had honored the climate pledges made with such fanfare in Paris six years ago. And even the pledges that are being made are insufficient to meet the stated goals of the climate process, and nobody's keeping the pledges anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How hilarious I can't believe that? that monster Trump got us out of that. How hilarious is that? Nobody had the distaste to point out um, we all pledged all these big things back at the Paris Accords, 
and none of us kept our promises. What's important is these new pledges. These new pledges are very impressive. Our new pledges won't meet the goal that we all signed on to, and we're not going to keep the pledges anyway. <laughs> so that's what he's talking about, the Court of Versailles Age of Shams. It's just a whole bunch of elites making speeches to each other about stuff that's not happening. Now, in this case, I'm, I'm happy, mostly, that we aren't meeting these various things, but it is weird. Hey, I have breaking news for friends of Armstrong and Getty. I uh, just got a text from Tim Sandifer. He just won the Virginia case that we talked to him about with the two moms that s- the school board sued because they asked for documents under FOIA, got them. The school board gave them even more than they asked for, then, quote-unquote, demanded the documents back, even though they were electronic, and sued the women for talking about what they'd learned. It seemed like that ought to be a win. And sure enough, the Goldwater Foundation strikes another blow for liberty. Congratulations to Tim. I got about a minute left. I'll hit you with these Twitter facts. Uh, It's a a new poll out from Pew, but it fits in with other polls that have had the same number. So it's almost certainly true. And this is what you need to know. About 25% of Twitter users account for 97% of the tweets. So 75% of those of us are on Twitter, account for 3% of the tweets. All right? So it's a small portion of the people that are on there that are doing all the tweets. You go even further with the numbers. Even of the 25% that dominate Twitter, they're getting very little engagement. An average of 37 likes and one retweet a month among the 25% that create all the tweets. Hmm. So it is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of blue check mark elites who are getting all this attention and and pointing our politics in crazy directions by the way oh republicans 17 percent of republicans think twitter is good for america about half of democrats armstrong and getty